Welcome to the Oil & Gas Elevate podcast. Each week, Sean McCoy and Eric Johnson share real-world case studies of businesses in oil and gas that are successfully navigating the complex environmental, social, and governance landscape. These are the stories that are driving the energy evolution. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Welcome to a special, truly special bonus episode that we're doing. We had Troy Tittlemeyer come on this podcast for originally what was going to be a talking point segment. And after listening to it, Eric and I had a little powwow and decided that we need to do something a little bit more to this and, and give it its own episode. Yeah, definitely worthy, uh, kind of its own spot, a chance for our listeners to digest it independently and, and kind of and think about it and chew on it. Because it's, it's, it's around a, something, it's around a geological term called serpentinization. And one of the things from this process and one of the arguments that Troy makes, and, and this is also going to tell you a little bit about the complexity of it. And you're going to have to hang on. And one of the things that Eric and I were talking about is the reason, another reason we're doing a special is because we knew that listening to this and then trying to get into a case study and insight as we t typically do might be a bit much because it's really pushing that neuroplasticity, that pushing the envelope and understanding what's coming or what is, or what we think is a, is a known, I guess, truism or some, some fact that we've accepted around or that we're, we're, we're asked to accept around something around climate change. The part of, part of Troy's argument is that, it could be negligible compared to what's going on due to this process. That's right. And, and I have, you know, John, you and I have talked about this. I have an accounting degree and a law degree. And, and there were times in listening to Troy and his enthusiasm that, that I was, you know, I was struggling to keep up. And so, again, I, I think that's why it's great that it's a, a standalone episode for people to digest and consume. And then in addition to that, we want to not only tell you, look, there's, there's something worth listening because Troy is educated. Troy is experienced. Troy is, as we've told you, you're going to hear, super passionate and and worth listening to. But we also recognize that we don't want to become a, a voice that's saying this is the ultimate truth and this is something you have to accept. And, and, we're, and we've just closed the book on it because these this is an opportunity, we think, as well, to engage with you, the listeners, and say, if you're out there and you hear what, what's said and you want to speak to it, we want to invite you to do that as well. We want you to invite even just to react to us in general. But if you hear something and you think, I would like to counter that, that's true and we can go, but we need to go a different direction to understand that there's also these things that need to be considered. And we want to also say, look, I, I love Google <laughs> and I love to research stuff. I got lots of PhDs from it in my house, but we're going to ask that it, it be somebody who's you know like Troy in that same you know, comparison in terms of experience and education relative to the subject. But if you want to come on, we want to invite you to be a guest on and do a second episode to come in and maybe not even counter it, but just speak to it and have an intelligent discussion around this, which I think we're trying to do ultimately with this show anyway. Yeah, no, I think that that makes perfect sense, you know, to have a geologist come on and really record what we would think would be an insight segment with respect to what Troy talks about. So, yeah. So if you're listening to this, after you listen to this, if you want to do that, please. And if you, even if you're not, we would just want to know what you think, because one of the things I was talking today with, with a lady named Caitlin Allen, who's in this world and, and we, and I was just talking to her today that even even if this is true, we also, I just want to make sure that everybody understands this. Let's say that this is true, but that doesn't mean we don't care about air quality. It doesn't mean that we don't want to have clean water. And it's not an excuse to just like, you know, open up the floodgates and just do whatever we want. Yeah. It would be a piece of the puzzle as we try to understand our reality, our world, and want to make the best of it. 
So with that, please enjoy this special episode with Troy Tittlemeyer and reach out to us uh, when you get the chance or if you'd like to and let us know what you think. And of course, if you're out there chomping at the bit and you think, I really want to go and have a conversation about this with those guys, let us know. The invite's open and we hope to hear from you. And with that, we'll get on with the show. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Elevate Podcast. Eric, as always, it's great to be with you, brother. How you doing, man? Living the dream. You know me. Exciting. It is. And so for this episode, we're really excited. We have the next three seconds. we got Troy Tittlemeyer coming in, doing the talking point, talking about serpentinization. Big and word. Big word. Not sure what it means. We're going to find out. And then we're going to follow that up with a case study with Silverwolf Midstream and Neil Ruter, their CEO, and that Michigan Pipeline Conversion Project. Awesome case study. And Neil is... That's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, no, no doubt. And we're going we're to round it off with the inside segment with Jason Hayes, a real-life environmentalist, talking about the impact that that, that, that conversion pipeline is going to have on the quote-unquote environment around Michigan and, other, and the potential there. And it's, I think it's going to be great to get a perspective from somebody who's not typically somebody we think about in terms of oil and gas. Yep. He brings a great perspective talking about you know solutions to problems that I think some people don't think about. Amen. So as I said, with the inside segment, as we get started with that, we have Troy Tittlemeyer. Now, I was, I was fortunate enough to be on his podcast recently, and he let me ramble on for quite a bit and talk a whole lot about ESG and help him understand. Because by nature, Troy is a geologist. He's a scientist, super passionate, super excited about what he does and what, and what the industry is about and those kinds of things. And so he's really wanting, he asked me to come on to help him and others that are listening to this podcast understand what's coming from the ESG side. So I was very fortunate. And kind of, and I wanted him to talk a little bit about what he does and help our listeners, you know, this nugget around this idea of what it is that this is this is doing, how this is impacting us. Another way to look at some of these metrics, not to be counterculture or to say that these things aren't really happening, but what are we actually listening to from a qualitative standpoint around information? So with that, before Troy comes on a little bit about him, as I said, he's got an MS in geology from the University of Texas of the Permian Basin, and he's the CEO of the Magna Kim Research Institute. He's also the co-founder of the PBE Permian Basin Podcast. And so with that, Troy, man, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us. Hey, Mr. McCoy, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you more than you know, opening our eyes up to the ESG world, which come to find out ESG has a lot of money to hand out to companies that are becoming more efficient and, be, and doing a better job at oil and gas production, for example, and making less of a carbon footprint. And that kind of ties into this whole talk today or what we're talking about, serpentinization and, and, and how it has an impact and how it has a voice and it has a seat at the table in the climate geology discussions and climate change discussions, yet no one is letting it in. It's not in the models we use. But it's this process that goes around the entire planet and it releases a ton of methane, CO2, a heat. It is a massive process that is naturally occurring since at least 3.8 billion years ago. That's the oldest serpentinite rock we have. It happens on Mars. It's happening in the universe. It's not just an ad hoc problem that we're dealing with on Earth. And that's what's exciting about geology, man. It should be universal. We should have some ideas that you say, if it's happening here, it's happening everywhere, not just here. If, if, if the scientists and geologists are talking about a process and they're like, it's only happening on this planet because we're super cool and you know it was built for us or whatever. <laughs> like, there's, Wait a minute, there's more to this story, I promise you. And that's you know, ultimately from undergraduate to graduate degree to oil and gas industry, my affinity towards the natural world and, and these natural processes that we study as scientists to try to make better predictions 
That's what fascinated me the most is you can make a prediction about something that could be real. And if you drill it and it comes out and it is real, well, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's like treasure hunting. I mean, <laughs> being a geologist is super cool, man. So yeah, I want to talk about serpentinization, the rock serpentinite. These are all Googleable except for there's not much depth. So go to Google. You can find some basic ideas about it. But if you want to know every little thing about the process called serpentinization, we have a YouTube webinar series that's out right now where you can go into the absolute details of this process and the implications. That's what's so fascinating and where we're going with all this is the implications of this massive process and how it's tied to the origins of life how it's tied to the origin of oil, and certainly how it has an impact on the climate through geologic time. And so that's, it's good, man. Where do you want to go with that? So, <laughs> yeah, that is the most excited geologist I've talked to in a long time. <laughs> really big words today, Troy, but I'm excited to hear you kind of explain this to us and kind of walk us through, you know, and let's be, let's be real. I have an accounting degree and a law degree, and so I can spell the word rock and then I'm done. So, but looking forward to kind of understanding all of this detail we want to talk about. Yeah. And so I think, I think a good place to start, Troy, is, is kind of what got, what got you to think about this particular area of geology and how it relates to climate. Was it, did you stumble upon it? Was it something you learned in school? Was it something you heard somewhere else that kind of, and then help us understand for the layman out there, like with his accounting degree and my degree, which isn't in geology either, what can we take away from that? And what does that really mean in terms of a thought process area? Yeah. All right, man, there's going to be a lot here and I'm just going to try to make it as concise and <laughs> as possible. Undergraduate, graduate degree, serpentinization is not a term that existed until about 2007. It was Magma Kim that was doing the cutting edge research with their own budget and their own geologic curiosity to study this specific rock called serpentinite. Now, the rock serpentinite and the study of serpentinite is not New. We've made these observations called the Steinman Trinity in the 19, early 1900s. They realized, geologists around the world were realizing that this rock serpentinite was being coughed up via tectonic plates. All right, some kind of mechanism, because they didn't have tectonic plates until the 70s, or at least they believed in it in the 70s. So they had this ability to see this rock all over the place in these areas where there's a bunch of structural complexity. So this stuff is coming from the deep earth. It's not a surface made rock. This is something that gets made deep in the earth. They made these observations all over the world. Magma Kim, which is now the Magma Kim Research Institute, is the nonprofit science organization delivering the discoveries that Magma Kim the private consulting company since the 80s has been going around putting all this story together. So Stan Keith is the guy that did this, all this. He's still alive. I get to work with him every day. He's in his 70s. The dude's unbelievable in so many ways, as you can imagine, just a true, hardcore, intense scientist and does not think about you know practical problems necessarily. It's all about just what are the rocks and what's the data telling me and what's the suggestion? So see, serpentinite is not a rock that geologists until today, until right now, literally, that the Magnum Research Institute is putting this out in our webinar series, started looking at it as a source for oil on the planet. No one did that. Everybody thinks that oil comes from the biosphere dying 
and then a bunch of pressure and heat somehow magically turning the dead biosphere into this substance we call kerogen. So kerogen is a consensus, a universal truth amongst humans that it's where oil comes from. Okay, that's interesting. Where does kerogen come from? Here's what we think. It's the biosphere. Living and dying things over geologic time turns into kerogen. So why is kerogen in these peridotites? Why is kerogen in this rock that's way deep, like you're talking 600 miles of potentially deep into the planet? Why is kerogen there? That's not biosphere related. Why is kerogen on Mars? That our model wasn't allowing us to, uh, to see these anomalies and make sense of these anomalies. So Magma Kim has been doing this for a long time, and now it's finally here. We finally have our place in the geologic community to present the details of serpentinization, of a process that is taking mantle rock, so just a very basic olivine. You can just think of it as a, just a mantle peridotite rock. When you add water to it, so seawater, which is why planet Earth is so special. We're a water planet, and that's very important. When you add seawater to a peridotite, it hydrogenates the rock, and it makes the rock called serpentinite. So there's a layer around our entire planet, under all the ocean basins, under the continents, called the serpentosphere. It's a layer, and it's the layer, if you look, if you Google Earth cross-section, Earth mantle cross-section, you'll get the same cross-section you saw in fifth grade, and we, we, it's the same one I, I saw in undergraduate. You just see the mantle go to the crust, and it's the scale of the planet. You're looking at the whole cross-section of our planet, which is whatever it is. It's, I think, anyway, I don't know how freaking- It's far, simple. it's far, yeah, yeah. yeah. The planet, the crust is, shoot, it's got to be at least 600 miles. Anyway, I'm getting off track. <laughs> All right. So you have the cross section. It says mantle to the crust. There is a layer in between that makes our planet so unique. It's called the serpentosphere, and it's made of a rock called serpentinite. And it, that is the rock where peridotite is getting hydrogenated with seawater, and it's making that rock. In that process, there's a famous study well, at least for us, there's a famous study called, and I, I sent you an image of this. Yeah. It was Skelton and others in 2005. It is a consensus in the science community that serpentinization, that process, when you put seawater on a peridotite and you make serpentinite, it releases a ton of methane. It releases a ton of CO2. It creates this big body of rock that goes around the entire planet at all kinds of thicknesses. That is the serpentosphere. It's what the plate tectonics ride on. It's like the grease for our plate tectonic plates to move. That process has been completely overlooked. The details of what Skelton and others in 2005 and Fru Green in 2008 with the Lost Cities vent in the Atlantic Ocean what we know about the ocean floors now in geologic context and in modern context, which is very, very important, you can have all these data points in geologic context, but if you have a model that's not allowing you to take those data points and put it in the model to help you make predictions, then there's a problem and you have to shelf that anomaly and move on with your studies. The Magma Kim model, it's called the Ultra Deep Hydrothermal Model, the UDH model. That's what we're teaching in these webinars. It allows those anomalies in. 
And so time and time again, Stan Keith built this spider web, essentially intellectual spider web that kept catching these anomalies in literature and the people that put the anomalies out there in peer reviewed scientific literature, like Skelton and others in 2005, they didn't have the model to help them understand that what he was measuring and how he came up with this idea that you have 0.18 to 1.8 teragrams of CH4 of methane coming out of this process. That's a shit ton of methane coming out of this process. He was able to map that and think about how that process actually generates this material and CO2 and all this stuff. Well, we extrapolated that quickly across the globe. And that's what you're looking at here. You're looking at a natural process that we see having fluxes through geologic time, which is correlated to us traversing the galactic plane of the Milky Way, which I won't get into. <laughs> that is actually really freaking amazing. It correlates. We see meteorite impacts correlating to this timeline that serpentinization is heating up. The planet is naturally turning on serpentinization. We hit the hottest peaks in the curves in geologic time. And about every 100,000 years, it cools, goes into an ice age, and then bang, serpentinization turns on again. You're talking about a major, major, huge scale to our planet, its natural processes, and the fact that we don't consider it in what we're talking about. How can me and you have a legitimate conversation with something of value at the end, a consensus of a conversation that provides some solutions to the problems we're facing and that we're trying to honestly address? How could we possibly have that conversation if something like serpentinization is out of the model completely? We're arguing about something that's completely wrong. We're mm. arguing about something that has no solution until we integrate everything with modern geologic concepts in modern context we have no chance to to unite and make something of value it's going to be a bunch of business failing and robbing from each other and suing each other it's going to be the chaos that we have and we got to get back to the geology we got to reassess this thing from the from the core to the crust and for the first time it's possible so if i'm tracking with you it's a scale issue, or it's a, well, it's a process issue to understand what is going on from a, from a geological standpoint. Down, as you said, to the surprenization is happening, and it's happening. It's been happening. Not only is it happening here, but it's happening on other planets. It's happening everywhere, and so it's a kind of a natural occurring process and its impact relative to climate change. These emissions, and so as a result of all that stuff going on, there's releasing of methane and CO two and the rest of that stuff, and so. To bring this all full circle to the ESG side, if we're arguing around climate change and the impact that these gases are having, if we're not taking into account the stuff that's happening naturally, looking at, the, at that chart, which we'll put in the show notes, the amount of fossil fuel usage and what that's generated on the scale of what those other ones are going to be generating seems to me to be statistically so small that it, wouldn't, that it would be negligible, if not infinitesimal, relative to the impact that those, those gases are having on a, on a naturally occurring time frame. Is that right? That is right, man. That's right. We are not wasting our time by focusing on the fact that we have this amazing engineering technology that allows us to sit in cars that are powered by sunlight, not by you know the naturally occurring and regenerating oil and gas that we have on this planet with this model. We have it will never stop making it until the dynamo is dead on our planet. Oil and gas will always be there, will always be the most efficient energy that we have to put into things. But we need to develop 
We need things to do. We need to put engineers to work. They need to figure out new cool ways to do the same things. And so that's where we're at. The problem with the conversation and what's really it's hard and difficult to get around is the fact that you know what I'm saying is in some reality of truth. It is not the truth, I get that, but it's an approximation of our reality. It's some foundation for us to have a conversation of if, if this is true, then where can we really go with this future technology? Not just have this knee-jerk reaction that everybody who has a carbon positive footprint causing all this chaos, it makes an emotional argument and emotions and logic don't make any sense together. You can't move forward with anything of real substance. People can't, we can't get there. So we just got to readdress. And what you said was perfect, the scale. It, we, we just just realized that you know, for a second, have a, a perspective from, from a fly. The oceans are arguably heating up as if five atomic bombs were going off in the oceans every second. That's the equivalent of how much energy is coming from the ocean floors of serpentinization, coming from the rifts in these, the, the mid-Atlantic ridges and all that stuff. There's incredible amount of heat and energy and power coming from our star, from the inside of our planet that we have no control over. That's fine. That's okay. It is allowing us to still be here. It's allowing us to meet me to talk from this room to you <laughs> about these things. So that's fun. That's cool. That's exciting. We set off two atomic bombs twice over of humanity, and that made a major devastation. That was insane. No one will ever forget it. It's a mortal event that will always be a part of our history. We did that. Well, there's five going off every second, arguably, in the ocean floors and at the mid-Atlantic ridges. We just we're not that significant to what the planet is doing. It's happy we're here. We're happy that the planet is allowing us to be here. And, and let's just move forward with some realism, some, some realistic conversation bound by science and good science, good models that are a true approximation of our reality, not just hand-waving stuff. <laughs> so, so Troy, I want to take a step back as my accounting and lauder brain has gone to mush trying to keep up. So there are, I think I have two takeaways. And just tell me if I'm wrong and maybe I missed it. One, the serpentization is a, as will be reflected in the show notes, this thing is a significant, probably the most significant potentially releaser of methane. And none of the current climate change models that are used by the various regulatory agencies and other people that are pushing a particular result take into account serpentization. So that, that was my first question. Is that a right? Yeah, okay. no, that's correct. It's about okay. six kilometer. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I just want to make sure I was right. And then the second thing I think I heard you say, and I want to make sure this is right. I mean, our concept of fossil fuels may be completely incorrect in that. It's fossil in itself, man. <laughs> <laughs> is this idea that serpentization, the process of that is what is generating our oil and gas. That's right. Yeah. We see hydrogen. We see diamondoids. I don't know if you guys knew there are diamonds in oil in all the samples that have been analyzed for diamondoids. If you specifically look for them, which is the smallest crystal lattice of a diamond. 
that's what it that's what a diamondoid is they're all over they're in every oil sample in every basin and it's just insane where's all what, what's this tie to diamondoids to kerogen and to hydrocarbon markers and so the science is fascinating man how we were able to get kind of so kind of convoluted and complex in our interpretations of all this data and going way out of our way it's way more simple than the way we make it out to be. It's the, the process is actually very simple. It's very easy to track and it's very, very powerful. And yes, the idea of fossil fuels is technically incorrect. And that switched when the idea of we're running out of oil. Remember how someone calculated that back in like the 70s? Oh yeah, peak oil. Right. Yeah. Peak oil. Right. Peak oil. That was a that was a the amount of oil we have on this planet is running out. And then all of a sudden, BP's CEO about a year ago, maybe maybe not even that long ago, he changed the definition of peak oil. Did anybody catch this? Mm. Yeah, he changed the definition. Instead of peak oil being like, think of it as a pool and you have a full pool of oil and we start draining that pool, essentially it's going to run out. That was peak oil. Peak oil was like, hey, we're going to run out. That was the idea. No, 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 no. Peak oil has been turned now into the concept of our assumption of oil. Our peak assumption of oil is the new definition to peak oil. So when that happened, I think intellectually, we have all accepted the fact that fossil fuel, a byproduct of the biosphere that's making all this oil and gas, it's incorrect. It's, it's absolutely incorrect. There is a much bigger process going on. It is tied directly to the oils that we hold, we can put in a jar and you can make a connection to the deep processes that made it. It's all there. It's been put together. The story is here. And we're moving on now with new geologic context. Well, Troy, my friend, I was expecting you to bring it like you just did and you have. So this is a good place as any to stop because we could keep going. But I hope the idea is this plants a seed, a nugget in our, in our listeners' minds to kind of consider this, which may not be doing justice what you're saying, but just uh, appreciate your time and encourage everyone to reach out to you. Can you tell us how to get a hold of you real quick? And if anybody wants more information on this? Yes. Magma Kim, Magma, M-A-G-M-A, just like Magma, Kim, chemistry, C-H-E-M, Magma Kim, R-I dot org is where you can it's all free right now it's all the webinars all the publications that have gone into this 50-year study that you know no one really knew about it. that's why i sold everything i had i became the ceo that gave me the opportunity to tell the world this story and that when they said i could do that i said i want to tell everybody i know that this is happening because i want everybody that i know to make it a win and to have a successful career leave a financial legacy for your children leave a, a sustainable future for our children let's integrate innovate and let's do this and then they said come and i said all right here i am and they're like oh shit he came <laughs> what the heck and then now we're doing it now we, we it's our first year it's coming to an end Thank you for the opportunity, man. We're just building a team. We're uniting. We have we have scientists, teachers, and engineers and geologists across the world that are captivated by this, and they're joining us every week. We're getting more and more people in our webinars. It's just fascinating to see that it's it's real, man, and, and it's exciting. It makes for exciting. You have my attention, that is for sure. All right, brother. <laughs> Thank well, you hey, so much, Troy. Thanks so much for it. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for April 2021. This month we have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. 
We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the Spring Pitch Party focused on clean tech. It'll be hosted at the Canon on April 6th. Next, we have our two online events, the University of Houston PES Career Fair on April 8th and the CSPG GeoWomen eTalk on April 20th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information about any of the live streams or events we have coming up. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for April. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. On behalf of the Elevate podcast team, thank you so much for clicking play and bringing to life these amazing stories. We hope this elevated your perspective and serves you well as you navigate understanding ESG and the energy evolution. We are so grateful for your time and kindly ask that you rate and review the show on Apple iTunes, which is a great way to help us grow. The best way to support the work we are doing is to tell a friend about it, ask them to listen, and share with others what you've learned from listening to our guests. Lastly, we want to invite you to reach out to us for any comments, suggestions, or just to connect. You can do that through my email, sean.mccoy at oggn.com. I'd love to hear from you and what you think of our podcast. Be safe, and we look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power, here to innovate. innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power, here to innovate. Ha!